If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, we're continuing our way through these Old Testament feasts that we've been in for several weeks. And if we were to just summarize uh, this this whole chapter of the Bible in, in one phrase, we might simply say, thou shalt feast. God commands and calls his people to gather and feast and celebrate. Thou shalt feast. So Leviticus 23 details the calendar of Israel's feasts. And as we have been talking about, calendars are not neutral. Calendars tell a story that form the people who live in that story. Uh, They make meaning of our lives. And so uh, the feasts of Israel, this calendar tells a story of God delivering his people out of Egypt and into an abundant land that they can call home and calling them to live as his people in that land. This is the story that we've been tracing through all of these feasts. And each feast builds upon the one that has come before it, just like the plot of a story builds as it progresses. Um, That's that's how these feasts work. That's how stories work. And uh, before we read today's text, I want to point out a pattern uh, that that just really underlines this reality of of building and and, and forming and, and this growing momentum among these feasts. So uh, listen to this. Leviticus 23 uh, begins, the very first thing that's described is Sabbath, uh, which is the seventh day to rest on the Sabbath. And then after this, it lists seven feasts, seven annual feasts. First, there's Passover, uh, which begins on the evening of the 14th day. That's seven times two. Uh, then the Feast of Unleavened bread begins, and it lasts for seven days. Uh, And in the midst of all of that, on the day after the seventh day, we have the Feast of First Fruits. And then seven weeks later is the Feast of Weeks, which we talked about last week. Do you hear this pattern of sevens over and over and over again, building one on top of one another? The seventh day, and then, well, the 14th day, and then the, you know, fast forward seven weeks, and and so on and so forth. So it should not be a surprise that the rest of the feasts all occur in the seventh month of their year. The seventh month of their year. Uh, And that is where we turn today. Now, as a fun fact, we are currently in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. Uh, that's this month. Uh, and the rest of the feasts in Leviticus 23 have all been celebrated over this past month. Um, and, and so, you know, just as our fall rain has arrived and the cool air uh, comes, we will turn to the fall feasts of Israel of the, for the next few weeks as we continue. So let's read Leviticus 23. We're going to begin in verse 23. Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 23. The Lord said to Moses, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly 
commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and for not only the invitation, but command to feast together and with you. God, I pray that as we reflect on the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as this pattern of sevens build and build, the seventh month begins with a trumpet blast. It's the special day of rest and worship to the Lord. And as such, it came to be known the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. Uh, and so that's what we're reflecting on today. Now, there's not a whole lot said about the Feast of Trumpets other than blast some trumpets, rest, and give an offering to the Lord, right? Um, and so in many ways, uh, it is a very simple feast, but I believe it's also very profound, uh, as, as we'll see. So today, as we reflect on the Feast of Trumpets, what I want to do is essentially lay out a biblical theology of trumpets, all right? Um, I, I want to explore some of the ways that trumpets function throughout Scripture and what the, the trumpet blast means. What does this sound communicate to God's people? So let's take a little tour of some biblical trumpets. The very first trumpet to be seen or heard in Scripture is in Exodus 19. Exodus 19, the people have been delivered out of Egypt, and they've arrived at the foot of Mount Sinai, where God is about to meet with them. And here's what it says, Exodus 19, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. At the as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. This is the very first time we hear a trumpet in Scripture. And this encounter, I think, shows us the basic meaning of the trumpet blast in Scripture. And what this trumpet does, it, it, it's, it does two things. Number one, this trumpet announces the presence of God. Right? The trumpet blasts, and it's a way of saying, God is here. Right? The Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. So they blast the trumpet, God is here. But it does another thing as well. It calls the people 
to God. It calls them to God. When the trumpet blasts, that's whenever Moses leads the people out of the camp to meet with God. So this is really the the basic meaning of the trumpet blast in Scripture. Uh, it, It announces the presence of God, and it calls the people to God. The trumpet says, God is here, and come here. All right? That's the trumpet blast. Now, in Numbers chapter 10, there's some additional uh, instructions for God's people and trumpets. They're about to set off from Mount Sinai to, to you know, head into their wilderness journey. And God, when, when they're about to do that, God tells them this. In Numbers chapter 10, he tells them, make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camps set out. All right, so that adds uh, maybe one more layer of meaning to this. Uh, You know, it's still, it announces God is here, and and it calls the people uh, together for a meeting or an assembly, but it also gives them direction as they set out. The trumpet says, you know, God is here, come here, and let's go. Let's go. And so it gives the people direction as they set off into their journey through the wilderness. Now this, I think, begs a question for us. Where do we get direction in our wilderness journey? Where do we get direction in the wilderness journey of every day, every week? right? There are always a million things pulling our attention and trying to tell us where to go and what to do, right? There are ads that are telling us, if we just buy this or sign up for that, then you'll, you'll be fulfilled, right? You just got to do, do this one thing. You know, there's work is demanding us to finish those tasks, to meet these goals. There's people who are asking us for attention and affection, right? Or or even our own often selfish desires pull us toward whatever kinds of coping strategies we've learned along the way to make it to the next day. There's a million different directions to go, and we could follow any one of them. But in the midst of all of that, this biblical trumpet blast functions as an announcement and a call. God is here, so come here. Receive direction from him. Receive direction from God. Let him lead you. Let God guide you. That's what the trumpet calls to the people. Now, here's the thing that we have to understand. The trumpets described in the book of Numbers, you know, as as they're gathering and heading off into the wilderness, these trumpets, when they blast, don't magically transport the people out of the wilderness. It's not like the trumpet blast and suddenly, hey, we made it to the promised land. No. It gives them direction through the wilderness. And, And this is what God promises to his people. 
We need to hear this. When we seek God for direction, he does not promise to make things easy. But he does promise to lead us and guide us and be with us through the wilderness. So seeking God does not get us out of the wilderness, but it shows us the way through it. And that's what the trumpet tells us. And along the way, we will encounter both challenges and joys. We will meet hard times and we will have wonderful things as well, which the passage in Numbers goes on to describe. Uh, In verse 9, it says, When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets. Right? When you're facing a battle... Blast the trumpets. But then also, at your times of rejoicing, your appointed festivals and new moon feasts, you are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Now, I love the point that's being made here. Right? It's, what does this trumpet blast mean? We've already said Right? It means look to God. Look to God for direction. Listen to him. And so here's the basic message. Are you in a time of challenging battle? Well, look to God. Look to God. Hey, are, are you in a time of great rejoicing? Look to God. Look to God. Right? Whether in times of war or peace, times of lament, or rejoicing, the message is the same. Look to God. Look to God. Now, my guess is that uh, each one of us functions a little bit differently. So some of us find it much easier to connect with God during times of peace. When everything is going good, right? Life is good, so God is good. That's that's some of us. And if this is you, then times of challenge and suffering and pain and problems, when they come, not if, when they come, will all become reasons to doubt God. Will all become reasons to withdraw from God. To question God and often to seek direction somewhere else. Now, there are others of us who may find ourselves much more likely to seek God in the midst of problems and pain and challenging times. And and, and look to Him for direction when things get really difficult, right? Right in the midst of pain, God, help. And if that's you, then perhaps, and maybe often, it's the good times, rather. The easy times, the comfortable times that become moments where it's easy to drift away from God. And instead, rely on 
the comfort of our current situation. And so I want to ask you this question, which of these do you tend toward? Which of these do you tend toward? Which situations do you find yourself drawn to God? You know, life is good, so praise God. Or is it, life is hard, I need God. But then what kinds of situations is it that tend to push you further from God? Life is good, I don't need God. Life is difficult. I don't want God. Where do you find yourself in the midst of this? Here's the thing. No matter where you are in the midst of all of this, the the trumpet blast says the same thing. No matter where you find yourself, look to God. Draw near to him. Is life hard? He's our only hope. Is life going great? He's the only thing that we can find true meaning in. So let us look to God no matter what. That's what the trumpet calls the people of God to. Look to God no matter what. Now, throughout the history of Israel, the trumpet continues to serve an important function, right? It continues to make this announcement and call, God is here, so come to him. As they march into the promised land, they blast their trumpets along the way, and famously, Jericho's walls fall down, right? When they head into battle, they blast the trumpets, But when they get into the land and they settle, well, then the sound of the trumpets becomes a call to worship God. Hey, it's time for one of these feasts. So they sound the trumpet. Come worship. Uh, In the age of the kings, uh, the sound of the trumpet would signal the anointing of a new king. Anytime a new king was anointed, they would blast the trumpet as an announcement. There's a king who reigns. And at once, this trumpet uh, both announces to the people this new king and also calls that king to be someone who looks to God, who looks to God for direction and does not seek their own. So all along the way, the trumpet serves as this announcement and this call. God is here. Come to him. Turn to him. Now, in the age of the prophets, they often use this imagery of the trumpet as a way of calling the people back to God. Come back to God. Perhaps one of the most dramatic examples of this comes from the book of Joel. All right, the book of Joel begins with chaos and destruction. There are locusts invading the land and destroying their crops. There are armies invading the land and destroying the people. It is a disastrous moment, and all of these are images of judgment because the people have turned from God. They have not sought him. So Joel comes along and calls the people back to God. And in Joel chapter 2, he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. He gets people's attention with the sound of the trumpet 
And Joel goes on to say in chapter 2, even now, declares the Lord, return to me, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. And so with the sound of a trumpet, God calls the people to repent and to turn to him. Turn to me. Return. Come. And then the rest of the book of Joel, it's after this trumpet blast that God begins to, to promise to restore and rebuild the people. It's just after this passage that, that we get those words that Peter quotes on Pentecost, right? We looked at this just last week. These words, a promise that I will pour out my spirit on all people. My sons and my daughters will prophesy, right? The armies had come to destroy God's people, but God will rebuild his people. The locusts came and, and chewed up all of their land and their crops, but God says, I will re return to you, restore to you all that the locusts have eaten. So the trumpet blast becomes not only a, a sound, a call to repent, but it also becomes a sound of hope, of good news. And we see this most uh, definitively, perhaps, in, in Isaiah. Isaiah uses this hopeful image of the trumpet. He speaks to a scattered people in exile. They've been conquered and taken away, and they feel hopeless. And so in Isaiah 27, there's this extended image of a vineyard, and it says that God is guarding that vineyard. He's protecting it. And, and there's coming a day when once again, this vineyard will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Right? This beautiful image of a restored people. And at the end of these great promises, in Isaiah 27, he says, in that day, a great trumpet will sound. Those who were perishing in Assyria, those who were exiled in Egypt, will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. On that day, the trumpet will sound and you'll come back home. You won't be exiled anymore. And you'll finally and fully be able to worship the Lord. And so to a people in exile, the trumpet says, the same as it always has, God is here. So come to him. Come and worship. Now this image of the trumpet is carried over into the New Testament as well. Isaiah and Joel had visions both visions of warning and of hope. And there's a visionary in the New Testament as well. The book of Revelation, right? It's a strange book. 
all kinds of weird images and visions, to say the least. But in the midst of it, in Revelation chapter 8, there begins this symphony of trumpets. One trumpet after another, after another, after another, begin to sound. And at first, these trumpets sound destruction. They sound a lot more like that harsh call to repent that Joel sounded at first. But then, you'd never guess, the seventh trumpet sounds. And here's what it says in Revelation 11. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were all seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. So the trumpet blasts, and what does it say? God is here. The kingdom of our, of our Lord and of his Messiah, the kingdom of the world, has, has become his kingdom. He's here. And what else? Well, come worship him. Come to him. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. It's a word of hope. All at the sound of the trumpet blast. And this hopeful vision of the sound of a trumpet is the one that Paul carries along with him. He uses it a few times, but, but one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he writes, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are all still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will arise first. And after that, we who are still alive or left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, it will be announced with the blast of a trumpet. Saying what? The Lord is here. So come be with him. And that beckoning call of the trumpet to come be with him will reach even through the grave. Those who are dead will rise and come be with the Lord. And those who still live will come and be with the Lord. The trumpet call is our sound of hope. It calls us to the Lord. It's the heart of this good news, what it is to be God's people. So this is what we look forward to.
Now, this message of the trumpet is a message that has been proclaimed. And when Jesus came the first time, this was his message. When Jesus came the first time, no, there was not a trumpet blast, but he was the trumpet, declaring this message. When Jesus came, what was his message? What was his message of the gospel? Mark chapter 1, 15 summarizes it. The kingdom of God has now come near. So repent and believe the good news. God is here, so come to him. God is here, so come to him. That's the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus is the trumpet. Jesus is the one who declares the kingdom has come. So let's draw near. The kingdom has come, so let's repent Let's trust this good news and turn to him. And so as people who respond to Jesus' call, we become a people who've already heard the echo of that final trumpet. We become a people who are already responding to the news that God is coming we will dwell with him forever. And this is our hope in all that we face in good times and challenging times, in the midst of pain and hopelessness, and on our best days. The trumpet blast says the same thing. God is here, and so come to him. May it be so. Amen.